Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. up and um, uh, we, we're doing something a little different today but before I get started I just want to want to welcome uh, the newest member of our church Audrey Ricks uh, is in the house baby Ricks and um, she's gorgeous but I just want to tell you just be, be give her lots of space we don't want anybody with a child immune systems getting your germs so um, so give her lots of space but she's gorgeous you guys it's awesome to see her. And Ryan Ricks' sister, Amber, who I, I grew up with these guys. Amber's in church with Amber. Just put your hand up all the way from northern Canada. Come on. She's single. Um, I'm just saying. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, hey, so we're going to invite the hartman's up we're going to do something very different than we normally do so steve and becky hartman would you come on up good job what a gentleman you are clark burton (laughs) happy birthday clark yes um so I, this is the second time in my life I've ever done a, a message where I'm sitting in a chair talking with people. So the first time was about an hour ago. So, <laughs> so bear with me. This is not our usual flow at all. Um, if you're a guest today, um, just know this is, uh, this is very different for us. But um, this is kind of, uh, I think this is important. This is a good conversation we're going to have. And um, if you call this church home... This conversation's for you. If you're not a believer, um, none of this applies to you. Uh, so that's good, right? None of it applies to you, but it does give you a good glimpse into how Christians view this issue, um, which is healthy. Because I think we get, uh, we get a lot of bad perspective. We get around people that say they're Christian but don't behave like a Christian, right? Okay. Only like three people are agreeing with this. <laughs> um, before we get going, I just want to share with you... Um, what's going on and where we're going with this. So um, Steve is on, uh, he's on the board of treasuries in the church, so he's on a church board. And um, Steve and Becky uh, used to be business owners in the Seattle area and recently retired and moved out this way. And um, we're we're thankful for them. They they were actually part of our church before they were part of our church because uh, we went to a conference over there, and they boarded up uh, oh, probably uh, 14 people in their house, uh, didn't charge us a dime, and introduced me to Alexa. I didn't even know <laughs> what Alexa was with jazz music in the morning, and now I do. Um, she listens to everything now. Um, <clears throat> she's a strange one. but um, So we're thankful you guys are here, and we're thankful for moving over and, and just getting involved. Um, and... We really do appreciate that. Um, let me tell you something about our church. Um, for, for those of you that are part of the church, uh, you've probably heard this before, and if you haven't, I just want to share with everyone uh, sort of the context for this conversation. Um, my wife and I became the pastors of this church about six years ago, and when we did, the, um, the weekly average was about 146 people um, on a Sunday. And that was, that's a five-week average. It's, I say about, but that's a pretty specific number, uh, right? Number nerd, right? So um, <clears throat> that was the weekly average. And um, within two years, just through, like, my leadership prowess and, and just our ability, um, we grew the church to 77 people, uh, <laughs> which, is, which is normal in church transition, right? It's normal. Uh, but 
but it sure doesn't feel normal when you're in it. Um, but we went through that, and, um, and then from then on, a year later, uh, the church essentially doubled. It was at like one, uh, did I say one, so it was at 143 a year, a year later. So 146, then 143 a year later, uh, five-week average. And then the next year, it was at, um, uh, in, in the two, early 200s is where it was, like 240s in that range. Um, so the church had really grown significantly. We were in a school. We were meeting in Nampa Christian High School. Um, did, was anybody with us over in the Nampa Christian High School? We got, we got yeah, we got quite a few people. So um, we were in a school, Nampa Christian High School, and meeting in a cafeteria. And my wife likes to call it the cafetorium. Um, I call it the auditorium, and I feel like she's half right. It's the <laughs> auditorium. Um, but we met in there, and going into COVID, we didn't really know what to expect. Did anybody have COVID figured out from the beginning? Anybody? Yeah, we got a couple. We got a couple people. We'll just we'll just move down. And let you talk. Um, you, you got it all figured out. Um, but uh, COVID threw everybody's world. No, no matter what your opinion on any of this stuff was, it it threw everybody for a loop. And um, we were a portable church meeting in a school. We were experiencing a lot of momentum during that season, but COVID shut all of that down. A lot of the business leaders in the church, same thing. It just kind of, it, they didn't know what to do. Everybody, um, people in the medical field, especially the teachers in the church. Can we just give it up for the teachers? Like, they have had the roughest. Do we have, do we have any educators in the, in the building? Can, can just, if you're a teacher, can you stand real quick? Come on, stand up, stand up, stand up. Very good. Very good. Hey, you guys, these people have been uh, thankless during all of this, and the rules have changed for them so many times, and, um, and our children have absolutely lost their ever-living minds, <laughs> and the parents have lost even more of their minds. And so, uh, honestly, if you can do anything to support your the teachers in your in your children's school or the teachers in your church, um, that could be helpful. It's been a it's been a rough time for them. Uh, they didn't they didn't sign up uh, to get yelled at every day. They signed up because they wanted to make a difference in your kids' lives. Yes. That's for free. <clears throat> um, so, as a church, we were um, we were going into COVID. Didn't know what to do. Didn't have a building. And um, I told our overseers. So our overseers are the people that. Um, kind of keep me accountable, um, they're the ones that fire me, right? And I called them and I said, hey, let's, um, I, I feel like this is going to last longer than we would like. I would like to cancel our lease at the school. Um, and, and their response was, let's not do anything with, with the word cancel in it. <laughs> let's, let's defer payments. Let's renegotiate. Let's do something like that. And so I believe we renegotiated the, the payments and, um, uh, and during it, we just were really trusting the Lord was going to provide a building. What was unique was we didn't have any money set aside for a building as a church. Um, we operated on a budget, but it was a shoestring budget. And um, there was one building in town that my wife and I used to sit in the parking lot of and pray for a building just like it. Now, there was a church in the building, and we weren't asking for that building. We were just saying, God, we want a building just like this. If you could, if you could make a way that we can have a building just like this, um, we would do everything we could to um, to be faithful to it and to and to honor you. And so we would sit in the parking lot of this building, and we would pray for a building just like this building, uh, not realizing that God had plans for this building. Yeah. And people in the church would ask us, they'd say, where, where should we be praying for a building in the area? And I, I would say this, I would say, Twyla's one of them, I would say, within half a mile of the Midland exit, we need to be within half a mile of that exit. I don't want to be on a side road somewhere. We need to be right there so we can reach the valley. And what I didn't realize was the people that, several of the people we would tell this to, they would go sit in the parking lot of this building and they would pray for a building within half a mile of this exit. So they were just looking for an empty parking lot, praying for a building. And through a series of events in COVID, the Lord gave this church an incredible building on prime real estate on the busiest intersection in our county. 
truly, truly nothing short of a miracle. Like, truly, um, nothing short of a miracle. We did not have the resources for it, um, nor were we ready for it. Um, <clears throat> but the Lord provided this building, and um, the church, since being in the building, it's grown. Um, so we've, we've more than doubled since being in the building, and, um, and you guys are all a testament to what God is doing. Like our church, you guys realize, like this church was about 100 people four or five years ago. We baptized 100 people last year. Like that's, that's awesome. That's really cool. And um, God is doing really good things. And, um, and so I wanted to bring um, family into the church, or family that's very faithful to the church and has a lot of experience in this area to talk. Um, just about what it looks like to give. Because as a church, um, we have this big building, but you may not know it. There's 16,000 square feet behind this wall. Like that's, like you're in... 5,500 square feet. There's 16,000 on the other side. And, um, and I believe that for us to be faithful to what God has given us, uh, it doesn't look like us using half the building. It looks like us maximizing it so that more people can come to know Jesus. People are moving to this valley in the thousands. And we can fold our arms and growl at them for the traffic patterns changing and taxes going up. Or we can say, God is bringing people to this valley for a specific purpose. And from my experience, he's bringing people to this valley because he has a revival in store. And I want to be part of that. So, um, yeah, so we've, uh, two days ago, we got the permit to uh, do the first phase of expansion within the building. And uh, that first phase is the children's wing is going to be doubled. Uh, doubled. So uh, behind you where those curtains are, you're going to see Visqueen go up. Probably by next week, you're going to see Visqueen. And then there's built, uh, rooms going to be built in there. Um, there's a, quite a few other things that are being done. Uh, but that's the most visible. And uh, the cool thing is this. The Lord has blessed the church in the past year with enough um, margin and enough resources to be able to just pay for that. Like, we're not asking you for funds for that. But what we're going to do is we do need to start looking towards how do we expand into the, the rest of the building to create more space for your families and for your kids and for your friends that need, that need Jesus. And that's what we're going to be talking about is, is how, we, how we accomplish that. Um, we're going to do it through a, a big offering, November 14th. Um, if, you're, if this is your home church, we're asking you to be a part of that. If this is not your home church, just listen in. This is what Christians believe about money. So, uh, so there we go. Go for it. Awesome. All right. I think we started off by you guys introducing yourselves and why. I guess we already introduced you. <laughs> All right. Um, well, we're Steve and Becky, in case you were wondering. Yeah, this is Steve, and that's Becky. Yes, There's no confusion, right? Okay. Um, we met at church in Washington. He was a soldier at Fort Lewis. All right. And he came to church because somebody invited him. Yes, 1976, baby. Yes. And I was in choir when he came forward and gave his heart to the Lord. And I said, he's cute. <laughs> I'm going to go introduce myself to him. That's missionary dating. <laughs> That's what that is. <laughs> I don't no. recommend it. <laughs> That's <Right>. great. <laughs> but he, yeah, it turned out 45 years later, we're doing good. <laughs> so I just want to point out something um, for all of you young, young adults. Um, the girl went up to the boy. Yeah, pretty bold. Pretty bold. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> married? Not married. Okay, go ahead. How do you follow that, right? <laughs> no, I had noticed Becky before that, of course. She was actually, she said she was in choir. She was actually one of the main singers in the church. Yeah. I don't know how long you've been there? How long have you been at that church? Her, she went there. Her her brother was uh, on staff there, at the church, and she went there. We were babies. Yes, and uh, we babies. yeah, I said, "Dang, that's a cute girl up there," <laughs> but I thought she was probably way out of my league. So, yeah, here we are. Here we are, forty-five years later. Forty-five. What? 
Yes. Um, it's sad that that is rare, but we love it. And thank you for being great examples of a marriage. Um, okay, I have a question. When did generosity start for you two? I think for us it started really early. Um, when I got out, when, when we, we got married short, very shortly after I got out of the military and I decided to go to a trade school. Um, and uh, so we were trying to live on a little bit of unemployment at that time. Um, I guess I didn't apply enough and I lost my job. Or excuse me, I lost my unemployment, so I went out and got a job. So I'd go to school during the day, and then I'd go work at night, so the two of us could live on 600 bucks a month. And uh, yeah, it was what was our Christmas budget? 50 bucks that $35. year. 35 bucks was our Christmas budget that year. So, but I, and I couldn't tell you the event. I just know that there was something at our church, and uh, they were taking up a particular offering for something. And we decided that we were going to donate 50 bucks to that. That's about 308 bucks in today's in today's money, and uh, that was a big give for Becky and I, out of a $600 budget. And I had a, I think we had a car payment. What was our rent? 300 and something. I think our rent at that time was a 300, 350 dollars a month, and had to eat on top of that. But we decided to give 50 bucks. And 50 bucks doesn't sound like a whole lot, but for us, 50 bucks was a lot of money. And that, for us, that just kind of set us on a path of deciding that we were going to give to the kingdom of God, whether we had a ton of money or whether we had no money, that the kingdom mattered to us. Well, we're talking about sacrificial giving, I think, is one of the next questions, but what is sacrificial giving? That's what sacrificial giving looks like. It's not, um, I guess I'll go in my bedroom and find that old jar of change that I've had in the bottom of my dresser drawer for a long time and I'll give that because that's what I want to give. It doesn't take anything out of my lifestyle. That's not sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving, once you want to feel like you're invested in something that is bigger than you and it needs to sting a little bit it means that you're giving of what you have been given and you're going to return it and ask God to bless it and to multiply it. That's what sacrificial giving feels like and looks like. The number is different for everybody. For $50, that was massive for us. For some people, $10,000 is nothing. For some people, $100 is a lot. But it needs to feel like it's a sacrifice that you're investing in something that is going to be going on after you're long gone. There's people in this church that will attend this church after we're all long gone. And we have invested in that and moved the kingdom forward into the next generation. And to me, that's huge. When it comes to sacrificial giving, um, I want to know, like, how, how did you instill that into your kids? What does generosity look like when you're teaching it to the people in your home? Is it caught or taught? I think it's both. I think you live by example. We always taught our kids that when they got money, you know that 10% of that doesn't belong to you. We taught them right, that right away. And I was taught that. My parents were both ministers, and so tithing was duh. And so we just learned by example, and we always knew that God would provide. There's a, there's a principle that, that comes with that. And so we taught our kids and we modeled it. Can you give us an example? I know we had the example of the beginning and kind of where you caught generosity because you two had did it. But how about like fast forward after marriage, after all that, and things are actually flowing really well. Was there a moment in your life where you just could not give? Like there was nothing to give or maybe it was going to hurt a lot. And how did you two get on the same page? Do we? <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> we, uh, what, we, what Becky and I have done is we, uh, we kind of have this thing that we do where we, we go, you think of a number, I'll think of a number, we're going to pray about it, 
and then we're going to say out loud what that number is. Because, because we involved in a church for generations that did this once a month, once a year offering. Twenty five years. years of it, and so to be able to agree on what to give was a matter of prayer. And then he came up with the number. I would come up with the number. Sometimes it matched, and sometimes it didn't. And we'd be, you know, sometimes I'm like, uh, no, no, that's lower. That's way too much. And he would say, no, I think we can do it. I said, you think we really can do it? I think we can. Let's pray about it. Let's come back together. And of course, on the day of, we were always in complete agreement and um, gave it with a joyful heart. Yeah. We gave it with a joyful heart because we knew um, that it matters to God. If it matters to God, it should matter to us. And the reality is, it's just money. Yeah. It's just money. So, for us, maybe it stung then, but it's not going to sting a year later. It's yeah. not going to sting yeah. 10 years later. Yeah. And there's times, like we've noticed some families, and it's happened to us before, when this time of year came around, washing machines would break down, there would be a little trip to the urgent care, there would be a flat tire, and we're like, okay, devil, I, I'm up to your tricks. You do this every time to test me about my generosity and where my heart lies. And we would give anyway, and God would always come through. And, you know, sometimes he'd get a big fat pile of money in an envelope in the mailbox. He had no clue it was coming. Sometimes it doesn't look like that. Sometimes it looks like through the years, the pattern of God providing constantly being there, constantly um, being faithful to us as we're faithful to him. <clears throat> it also looks like our three children serving God, marrying people who love God. All of our grandkids love Jesus. That, to me, is a payoff for being faithful to the house of the Lord and giving from an abundant, joyful heart. I I, I really resonate with what you're saying um, in two twofold. One one is this week my my truck started misfiring and I got a flat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, but also um, you, you said sometimes yeah you'll receive some sort of financial benefit, but that's really not the real benefit you see. I, th I think some sometimes Christians think that if they give, the Lord's going to give back to them, so it's an investment scheme. <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's like a bank account with some sort of return, and, and that's really not what we're talking about at all. What we're really talking about is a, a heart that just says, God, um, what's mine is yours. It's like when I, when I buy my kids French fries at McDonald's, and then I turn around in the back of the truck because I'm the dad that lets them eat in the truck. You know you haven't cleaned your vehicle unless you've vacuumed up French fries. Am I right? Come on. And, um, and I'll turn around for the dad tax, and I'll be like, okay, dad tax. And I'll grab like a handful, one kid, a handful, the next kid. And then I'll have one child uh, who will remain unnamed. Who, <laughs> give me like one, she will remain unnamed. And she'll give, she'll give me like, like a half a French fry. And I'm just like, don't you realize I could go back to McDonald's and buy like, I, I'm so wealthy, I could buy like three super size, you know, French fries and dump them on, you know. Um, but that's the heart of it. The heart of it is is not so much about what I get back. It's just about like, like what's mine is yours. Um, when when uh, I was in Bible school, I remember going to a conference and I felt like the Lord told me to give, and um, I I had money that I had set aside to pay for my Bible school, uh, and it there was sixteen hundred and fifty dollars that I had planned to spend on my school. And I felt like the Lord said, you need to give this to, it was a missionary. And so I gave it to the missionary. And I was fully expecting God to, like, have some anonymous donor pay my school bill, right? No, I had to go get two jobs. Like, but I grew more spiritually during that ensuing season than I ever did in any other season. Because my heart was surrendered to what God was doing. And I want to add to that because literally what Becky had just said about the generational blessing that happens after that, our children are very giving, except for a she in our house. Um, we're working on her. It's fine. Um, 
And, but they are the most generous kids. They really will give, like, all the things in their wallet. They've already got plans for this big give. They've already talked about it, and they pray about it. And I believe because of that one, I mean, I, it works both ways. But because of that one, you know, time where you're like, oh, it didn't, no one's paying for my schooling. And I just gave to this missionary. Um, I believe generationally. There was a blessing that flowed down from that. And it's, act like it's a waterfall, right? And generosity is not uh, a beautiful thing right now. It's not even, it's not even, um, it's not, uh, what am I trying to say? This isn't a popular thing right now. Um, It's all, you know, who knows, the world's going to end. And everybody's like holding in everything they have with all they have. And I just want to be different. I don't know about you, but I want to be different, and I want to show that generosity doesn't just say, oh, here, you can have whatever you want of mine. It's literally those sacrificial places that um, they so kindly shared, because if anybody knows, I know you guys know, and um, we've watched a a lot of your journey on this side of things, (laughs) Um, and we love them. But I have, okay, you said something about a cheerful, go ahead thing off. Oh, can you hear me? Um, it's sacrifice is a personal thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely a very personal thing. Um, but it also, the thing I love about it is as we're wading into this for the first time, it's a personal thing, but it's a personal thing we do as a family. And there's something special about that. We all have the same goal, the same mindset, the same what we want to accomplish. And watching that come together yeah. on November 12th, is that the right day? The 14th? That's a special day. Yeah. That's a special day for, yeah. for where we get to do whatever God lays on our heart to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now, Becky mentioned something about cheerful heart. I, when I was growing up, this was not weird then, but now I'm saying it out loud, and it's very weird. Um, <laughs> growing up, my church did a cheerful giver. They literally put baskets at the front, and we ha, 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 and gave <laughs> down the aisle like that. And we were laughing and high-fiving and ha, 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 yeah. Um, so that, yeah. Um, so what is it? What does it mean that God loves? The word is love, loves a cheerful heart and giving. Well, the opposite is gross. Yeah. The opposite of just grumpy. I'll show you an example of generosity and a, and a cheerful giver. So if I have a dollar and I say, try to get this dollar out of my hand. So my fist is closed, and he doesn't get anything, and I hold on to my $1. So now I'm going to do this, take the dollar out of my hand. Now my hand is open. So I've given, and now my hand is open to be able to receive. If you live like this, this is not something that God sees as an open heart or a cheerful heart. If you live like this, God sees, hey, That person is going to be a steward of what I've given them. I'm going to give them more. I'm going to bless them with more, and they're going to have a chance to even be more generous because I can give and I can receive with an open palm. So we decided a long time ago we were going to live with open palms. If we see a need, we like to try to meet it. If we can't, we pray for more. So I think God loves that. It's like a child, like you see somebody that, is generous and they want to give and they're, you know, I don't know, spraying candy at a parade or whatever versus the stingy miser that says, okay, I guess you can have my dollar, whatever. I feel forced. I, I don't see God rejoicing in that. And I do see the benefit of being joyful because it opens generosity to both ends, your end because you're receiving my end because I'm receiving back. That was too good. Yeah, that was so good. So it's not ha, 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 um, none of that. Thank God. But that would be fun. I get to be a blessing. I get to. I get to. I love that. Um, One of my favorite 
uh, ways of saying it. Actually, Clark, uh, he, you taught me something. Um, he says, this is another form of worship. Absolutely. So this Absolutely. is a whole, this is actually a tangible way that we can worship, Absolutely. right? You can utter all day long, right? And I hope that you utter words to the Lord. But this is just like, it's, I always talk about five senses. <laughs> I don't know what my problem is. But this is a, a physical way that you can actually show yeah. another form of worship. Um, all right. Say, say there is giving. And say there's a few questions out there. Um, and I've literally heard all of these lit early. Um, <laughs> someone else will take care of it. What, what, what's your thoughts on that? My thought on that is if everybody had that attitude, not one single thing would get done. Yeah. So that's a, it's a cop-out. It's a, it's a way of saying, I don't take responsibility. Yeah. It's no good. Yeah. And I say, why not me? Yeah. Why not me? Maybe I feel inadequate, but God... Why not me? Yeah, yeah, so, I love that. Um, talk about the responsibility piece for a second, because you said it so well in the last service about how we're all sitting here, lights are on, heat is good. I don't think the heater's on, by the way, because um, I get too hot, <laughs> um, and I keep turning it off. Sorry, Tyson. <laughs> um, but I mean, and the kids' service is going. All these things we have it open all during the week, and what? Talk about responsibility. Well, if you're gleaning on a weekly basis and benefiting from this beautiful building that God has literally given to us, then you do have a responsibility to sow into it and to be a part of it and to feel like you, in order to belong, I feel like there needs to be some sort of an investment and some sort of a... Um, a giving spirit that comes with belonging. And if you sit here and you belong to this church, you have a responsibility to move it forward, to support these people and their vision and their dream. It's a, it's a no-brainer. And the number's not going to be the same for everybody. The number's not going to be the same. The number can be minimal, but that might be a huge sacrifice for you. The number might be big, but it needs to, it, it, you need to do your part. It's, yeah. Um, there's another thing that kind of flows through churches, um, and I've been in church all of my life, so yes, I have heard these things, and I heard these things when we were in the school. Um, <laughs> so wouldn't this money be better spent somewhere else, maybe for people in need? I mean, I'm going to answer that. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> um, we... <laughs> right? Uh, we are digging wells here. Yes. And the well of living water is happening all throughout every ministry. And I just want to, I have the best imagination. We didn't have TV growing up, so we had to listen to the scariest Bible stories <laughs> on tape. <laughs> and Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe on tape. So I have a very good, vivid imagination. So if you can imagine with me right now that there are wells of living water with that natural mineral coming up that we are digging so hard so that people in need are coming to. And they drink from the well of living water. They are getting nourished. They have fresh ideas. They have fresh. What water does to restore you, especially living water, and that's what we're digging here. And yes, it does. Our money does go to people in need, and it goes outside. Um, but here, we also are serving needs. We are also bringing people to where the Lord wants them to, them to go. Um, Roger and I, we bought a house in North Pole, Alaska. And um, it's that cold. It's as cold as you think it is, um, just by the words North Pole, the farthest north you could possibly be. Um, sorry, that is not bitterness on my tongue, I promise. Um, but we bought this cute little house, and it was part of a uh, whole building project, actually. <laughs> and we just felt like the Lord said, 
um, this is one way you can actually show that you can give. You guys, we made pennies. I mean, pennies. Our rent was $1,000, and that was what so long ago. Anyways, um, we bought a house that was on permafrost. We had no idea. Um, it's illegal to buy a house on permafrost. It's illegal to... Okay, it's, it's illegal in my book. It should be because if, if it starts unthawing, where does your house go? Yeah. So um, we didn't know. You know, we were dumb and young, and I was having babies too, too, you know, too busy. Um, but we went to go dig a well because we had our water delivered to us, blah, blah, blah. It's a lot of money. And we went to go dig our well, and guess what? Um, we found the frost, and you can't go any further. You're going to break huge, huge tractors. You just can't do anything about it. There, you can't, like, defrost it. What are you going to do with the whole land? What? what? Nothing, because then when winter comes and it's 70 below, it freezes it back over. Anyways, so we bought this house. We were unable to dig a well. That's not what we are doing here. We will never, ever buy land on permafrost again. <laughs> We are going to dig big wells that our children can come for, for years and years and years to come where they can get that stupid ladle out and say, here, friend, here, drink of the living water that everybody in our legacy has dug out and it's here for years. I'm telling you, it's beautiful soil around here. Those children are you Yeah. years ago. And someday those children are going to be sitting where you're sitting, being leaders and uh, uh, worship leaders and youth pastors of this church. And then their children will be in there. That's the investment. Yeah, I like that. The, the idea that, um, that what we're doing here, it's, it's about something bigger. And the question, could my money serve better? Some, like, um, shouldn't it just go to the poor, right? That we should give that money to the poor. Um, that's a great question. Um, Judas asked that question. Yes, he did. And 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 Jesus' response is like that. That, that piece is always going to be there. There's always going to be people with need. Um, but it's like when you're flying in an airplane, you, you've you've got to put your mask on. Well, I've never done it, but they say you put your mask on first, and then you put the other person's mask on. Yes. The idea of us expanding inside of this building isn't to build some sort of an empire or some sort of a kingdom. It's let's create a really strong base so that as a church we can continue to serve our community and our nation and our world the way we do. We, we give thousands of dollars uh, overseas and, and, and thousands of dollars like even in America and even to, to organizations in, in the area. But securing our own base, that's, that's very important. It's very important. Yeah, so um, she was talking about overseas. One of the things we're we'll be uh, funding pretty soon here is um, a women's empowerment center in uh, Kampala, Uganda. Um, Uganda is a an age. As far as age goes, it's a very young nation. They were ravaged by the AIDS epidemic, followed by ravaged by war. Um, so the the like an old person in Uganda is in their 30s, and. Um, because of that, they don't have uh, just a lot of generational stability. And young women, when they get pregnant there, um, typically don't have a, a home structure because of the youth in the, the, the young age of the, of the culture. And so we're funding a, a women's empowerment center. So it will essentially bring women in, empower them, teach them uh, work skills, give them uh, ability to go out and, and provide for their family. So supporting single moms in Uganda. Uh, so that's one of the ways that, that your church um, supports people outside. All right. I am, I don't have a job. I don't have money. I don't have, like where, like what am I supposed to be doing with this sacrificial giving? I feel it in my heart. I feel like maybe I need to give something. Um, how do I, where does this, where do I go from here? That's a, that's a great question. Becky, um, after first service, Becky had somebody come up to her that um, is a Christian, but their spouse is not. And uh, they were in kind of a quandary 
on how to deal with that. And I'm gonna let Becky share that story. I think that. Well, I just said, pray that God prepares his heart in advance if you wanna go talk to him. She had a, a, a personal stash that she wanted to give, which he totally knows about. There shouldn't be any secrets. And I said, prepare his heart, and then if you have to come to a compromise, come to a compromise. But you do have to honor your spouse in, in the marriage, and you have to keep that peace. But come to a compromise and feel good about just contributing. Yeah. And we're not really asking people to give what they don't have, but give beyond what you think you have. And, and God does, he does, he, we have heard so many stories of literally financial miracles that happen. Um, we even one time <clears throat> got a check in the mail for $1,000, which sounds like that's so ridiculous, but it's true. From five years before, we had sold a house and overpaid on the interest, and they mailed us that reimbursement check, which was just insane. And so sometimes that happens, and sometimes it happens in other ways. But um, I think if you're struggling with it, come up with a number that gives you peace in your heart and that you feel like is prodding you. Prayer is an amazing thing, and it actually works. And pray about it and, and move forward. Yeah. Test God. This is the only scripture, one of the few, yeah. that says you can test God in giving, yeah. that I will not pour out a blessing on you that you can't contain. Yeah. And so he's faithful. You can't outgive him. That's what I know. Yeah. I, was, I was sitting here thinking, so... What if you don't have anything? I think we still want you here. You're still part of our family. And we want you to celebrate as though you gave. You know, if you've, even if it's a dollar and that's a sacrifice for you, sacrifice that dollar. That's okay. We want, we want, to, we want you to celebrate as much as everybody else in the room celebrates because you're so important to us. So... Just affect the kingdom the best you can, that's all. Should I read this verse? Okay. Um, the Bible says in Matthew 6, 21, where your heart is is where your treasure is. And where your treasure is is where your heart is. So I like the message version that says, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust, or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Yeah. That's where we need to stockpile. Um, I, I read a statistic that the average Christian who, who contributes or who gives, gives 60%, um, 60% of their giving is outside of the church. Um, and, and I'm all for doing things and helping people. Like, we should be doing that. The church should be funding those things. Um, but I would ask, uh, are the things we give to things that have an eternal impact? Like, like do we really need to be, like, leveraging uh, the money that we work hard for to make sure that dogs in, uh, in the shelter have extra treats? Like, come on. Yeah. Like, let's make an impact in our world. Let's Let's transform generations we can really do that um and and, and to me that the 67 percent that's just it's like oh my goodness what could happen yeah. is I, people will look at churches and say well i wish this church was doing more in this area or this area i, I promise you whatever church you felt that way about before uh, there's a very good chance that the reason they didn't do those things that you would like them to do is simply because they were underfunded they were underfunded. And, and we're not having this conversation because your church is struggling. In fact, it's, it's not struggling. It's very healthy. Um, and we're thankful for that. Um, Bill Gates, uh, actually, um, not J Bill Gates. What's the other guy? Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett gave $41 billion to Bill Gates for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. That's a big number. And you think, well, why in the world would Warren Buffett give Bill Gates? Bill Gates doesn't need his money. Why would he give that kind of money to Bill Gates? And the reason is because he knew Bill could handle it. 
Like, it wouldn't go to Bill's head at all. Bill would be able to leverage it to make some sort of a lasting effort through it. And they created a foundation. And I want you to know that your church, um, when, when times have been tight, your church has tightened the belt and never come to you and been like, hey, we need money. We've tightened the belt and we've lived off a budget. And in this past year, we've been able to set aside, live with enough margin that we're paying uh, for this. This project is a lot more money than it seems like. It's all to commercial specs. So it's actually a lot of money that we're paying for out of pocket because we've lived with margin and we've managed it well. And I just want to encourage you, like, um, let's, let's trust that when we give, Steve said this before, uh, maybe you can share it again, but when we give, we're giving to the kingdom of God. And, um, and that he can, he can make a lot with it. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just really excited about what's going on. Would you share what you said just a minute ago? I remember what I said. Just about. Oh, about. Yes. Years, okay, I'm on, I'm on the safe page You're now. good. Like that? <laughs> so years ago, and this is when we were still pretty young, uh, we were attending a church. And, of course, Becky and I were givers to that church. And uh, some things at the church went bad. People were leaving. And I ran into this couple that went to this church, and he was mulligrubbing to me about all the money he'd given and uh, felt like it was wasted. And I said, I disagree. I gave that money, I gave that money to God. Yeah. He, it's, it's, if somebody else chooses to squander it, that's on them. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still given to the kid, and God still sees, a, sees my heart and how I gave that money. Yeah. So, yeah, it was about the kingdom. That's very good. And so we're going we're gonna to wrap it up. Um, thank you. Let's give them a hand. Come on. And they match. Come on. Let's say one more thing. <laughs> we did this. Yeah, we did the Roger and Kim thing. I like it. I was just going to say, if any of you out there are struggling financially, test God in this. Because I believe, I've seen it in so many uh, people down the line. We've, we've lived a little bit longer than some of you. If you don't live generously and you live uh, tightly and close-fisted and you're not faithful, you will always have a hole in the sandbag of your life. There's always going to be something come up. Things break down. Why am I going through this? Why am I struggling? Test God in it. I guarantee you the trajectory of your life will change if you become a generous person. That's very good. That's very good. Good word. I'll make this promise to you, church. I, I, I'll, never, um, I'll never get up here and play a sad video and really make you feel emotional about giving. Um, but what we will do is we'll do what the scripture says. It says each one should decide in their heart what they should give, and then they give it. And, um, and so I just want to challenge you um, as we go into this next season. Um, let's just... Trust God. Let's be people of faith. Let's be people who, who really believe that um, the Lord is at work and we can be a part of that. Is that all right? <clears throat> Why don't you stand with me all across the room and I just want to pray for you. Jesus, your word tests us so many times. It challenges us so many times over and over again in the area of finances and money. And you don't do it because you need money. Your word says that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You challenge us in the area of money because your word also says that where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. And so we can claim that you have our heart. But the truth is, there's a lot of other things that actually have our heart. God, I pray that those that are looking forward to participating in this November 14th offering to build your house, I pray that you would begin to speak to them. That husbands and wives would pray about a number and they'd come together and, and they would discover how uncanny it is that they are on the same page. Lord, I pray for the person that, that has been struggling financially and their view has always been, I, I need help. 
but I pray that they would trust your word when you say that that if we give that you rebuke the devourer and that we would just follow your principles and we'd be people that are known not as people that hold that hoard that stick elbows out and protect but we'd be known as people who are generous people to live open-handed and that we'd be able to look in two or three years at this building full of people worshiping you families entire families that have come to you and we can look and say I was a part of that I was a part of that we love you in Jesus name if uh, if this isn't your if this is your first time coming this is very different than what we normally do, uh, but I've enjoyed it because I haven't preached at all today, and that's so much fun uh, to just sit and hear other people talk. Did you guys enjoy that? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, well, we, we like to respond to the word in worship around here, and um, so what that looks like is we're going to sing a song, and I don't want you to just sing the song. Uh, I want you to make the words yours. And I want you to throw those words towards heaven. And I just want to entertain the presence of the Lord. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys and let's continue to love God, love people and change the world.